Rhonda Shanina Walker, and thank you for joining us today on our podcast, Yasha, Young and Sharing His Anointing. Today on our Let's Wrap reading, we're going to begin a two-part series entitled Identity Crisis. And today, our passage of scripture is going to be coming from Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning at the 11th verse. Let's read. And he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Let's wrap. Now, as we begin to look and begin to study this passage of scripture, we know that from studies, this is Jesus speaking. And he was speaking in parables. And this particular parable was talking about or symbolizing the Father, our Father God, and the love that he to- have towards us being his children. And Jesus went on to say in the 11th verse, and a certain man had two sons. And we know that this particular passage focused on the younger son. And the younger son received his name, the prodigal son, from the word prodigal. Prodigal is defined as spending money or resources freely and recklessly. Wasteful, extravagant. In other words, extravagant living. The first thing we see in this text when we begin to examine the scripture in the 12th verse is the younger son is demanding the father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. It's very clear in no uncertain terms is he saying or he is demanding that the father give me. As I begin to think about the younger son and being a parent myself, I could only imagine it must have been insulting to his father, seeing that he was not yet dead. His younger son was demanding his portion. In actuality, what he was really saying was, when are you going to die? It's taking you too long. I can't wait. Give me my goods. I got plans. I want to live. I want to experience the world. So let's take a closer look at the word goods. As I began in my studies looking up the word goods, I found that the word goods derives from the word good. So the first definition that was listed is the word good. Now, good meaning that which is morally right, righteousness, virtue, goodness, morality, integrity, honest, truth, honor, worthiness, all arise from, derives from the word good. The second definition that we begin to look up was the word goods with the S. The word goods means benefit or advantage to someone or something, profit, gains, interest, well-being, more, comfortable, ease, convenience, to help, to aid or assist, goods. The third definition was also the word goods with the S meaning merchandise, possession, property, worldly possession, effects or valuable. Now being led by the Holy Spirit, I began to look into each of those definitions in the order in which they were listed. I don't believe it was by chance or coincidence that the word good being that which is morally right or righteous was listed first. And then under that falls the other two definitions of goods Uh, Goods being something that would benefit our life or give us the advantage or 
in our lives or, or enhance someone's life and goods being merchandise or possession. The word of God tells us that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk upright. Our charge is first to walk upright. And if we walk upright, good things will follow. The good thing that God gives us, the merchandise or the possessions, will benefit our life. They will help us to prosper and not bring us harm. Now we know that Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. For the Bible also tells us that the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. So when I think about the younger son and the mindset in which he had, had he had the mindset to walk upright and in righteousness, the inheritance, the goods that his father had given him would have benefited his life. It would have gave him the advantage in life. But instead, because he was not secure in his identity and what it was he had been given, he defiled his blessing and was left wanting. Now, when we begin to think about this passage and go beyond the pages of the text, everything that the father possessed, if you think about it, everything that the father possessed, his son already had access to under the guidance and the authority of the father, of course. I'm almost certain that at the appointed time of his father's passing, when his father died, everything that was due to his sons would have been divided because that was the custom in those days. But that wasn't good enough for the younger son. He didn't want to wait. I realized that through my studies that the number one thing that he wanted more than anything was his independency from the father. Obviously, he thought that he was missing out on what the world had to offer him. The problem was he liked confidence to just leave on his own. Why do I say that? Because had he possessed confidence on his own, had he been secure in his own identity and really wanted to experience the real world up close and personal, he would have left without his inheritance. He would have made his own way financially. He would have left and financed his own riotous living. His inheritance became a mean so he thought he was able to successfully execute his plan. There's no way that he would have been able to live riotous without the means. The money, the goods gave him the boldness that he liked. So instead of the inheritance being a blessing that should have enhanced his life because he was not secure in who he was, instead it led him to his pig pen experience. I believe it's safe to say that his inheritance became his identity. He exchanged the good, the moral, the righteous life for his inheritance. Had he waited until the appointed time, he would have been mature enough to know what was best for him. But because he was suffering from identity crisis and everything he wanted to do was wrapped up in his inheritance, he refused to wait. The prodigal son refused to wait on the father for his appointed time. He wanted it now. He demanded the father, give me. This younger son refused to do what was customary. He refused to do what others had gone on before him had done. Wait, wait on the appointed time to receive what the father had in store for him. Just like this prodigal son, many of you today are refusing to wait. You want it now. The truth of the matter is a lot of your requests have gone unanswered because God knows just like this younger son, you're in a season in your life where your maturity level won't allow you to be able to handle the inheritance the father has laid up for you. If he allow you to have it right now, you won't know what to do with it. 
God has opened up doors and blessed many of you with many of things, job, houses, husbands, wives. But instead of you honoring God with what he has given you, you in return have defiled the blessing. The truth of the matter is you are not spiritually mature enough in who God had created you to be to appreciate your blessing, your inheritance. When we take a look at this younger son and his actions, it is his approach towards gaining access to his inheritance that tell us a lot about his character. Throughout this entire parable, as we read on, we can see it's evident that there's a war going on in the inside of this young man. There is no doubt in my mind he is struggling with his identity. This younger son, just like many of us, found himself at war with himself. Somebody listening to me right now know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, the person that God called you to be before the foundation of this world versus who you yourself want to be. God the Father sees you like this, but you'd rather be like that. You want to be like your friends. You want to be like your co-workers. You want to be like your classmates. Maybe you want to be like the Joneses down the street. You'd rather be anything and everything except who God called you to be. As I looked at this text, in my mind, no doubt, this father had raised his two boys, giving them the best life he knew how. Me being a mother could only imagine. He loved them. He nourished them. He instilled in them righteousness, taught them the laws of Moses, how to respect others and themselves, told them the value of who they were, that they were the head and not the tail, that they were above and not beneath. No doubt he taught them how to be men of integrity all about their Jewish ancestors, their customs, and maybe their history, what it was to be clean and what it was to be unclean. I could only imagine what the father wanted for them. No doubt more than anything was for them to know who they were and to honor God just as their forefathers had done before them. I submit to you that he gave them something more valuable than material substance. He was preparing them for a future and a hope. What he was giving them was what they needed the most, their identity. There is nothing more important in life than to know and be confident in who God has created us to be. There is no doubt in my mind that the father first taught his sons what it was to be good, to be morally right, to be righteous, to be virtue, to be full of goodness, morality, integrity, honesty, and truth, and honor, and worthiness, so that when he was long gone, they would be able to handle the inheritance that was set before them. They would continue to serve God just as he had and his father had. But how many know, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how you try to shape them so that they'll be left off better than you were, no matter how you try to instill more value and righteous identity into your children, there's always going to be at least one of them that want to do it their way. All the younger son could see was the material inheritance, the merchandise and the possessions being a way of escape because his main focus was to be independent from the father. He had no idea that all those years, the identity that his father was trying to instill in him was crucial to his well-being. It would be the determining factor if he lived or died. We see in verse 12, he said, give me, give me the goods. I want my portion. I want my inheritance. Because we don't have insight to every little detail of this passage, we have no idea if this was the younger son first request to the father. This situation could have been going on for a while. You know how our children do. They keep asking us the same thing again and again, over and over, until finally we say, okay, fine. You know what? Same way I do my children. At first, 
will tell them, I don't think you should do this. I think you should wait. But after a while, they start getting on my nerves so bad until I say whatever. Do what you want to do. Have it your way. I truly believe the father in this text, symbolizing God the father, knew his child. Just like we know ours. The father knew his son would misuse his inheritance, his freedom. Just like God knows we'll do the same in the freedoms and the liberties that he gives us. I often wonder why God would allow such a thing. Why God would give us the liberty and the freedom to do things when he know we're going to mess up. Why? Because he give us free will and he trusts that we will learn our lesson and return back to him just like the prodigal son. I just believe that the father knew his son wasn't capable of handling his newfound fortune. I also believe that the older brother knew also. I'm almost certain he knew his brother's plan. Maybe he had talked about it from time to time with his older brother. How else could the brother have known as we get to the latter part of that text or that parable that the brother has spent all of his uh, inheritance on writers living in prostitutes. We can clearly see by scripture that the younger brother had contemplated in his mind about this beforehand. I can imagine in my mind, you know how we do first. It may have been as soon as father dies, I'm getting my inheritance and I'm leaving this place. I'm tired of this bored life, reading the books of the law of Moses every day, listening to the father's long lectures. Then it was I'm tired of living here. I can't take it anymore. Following all these rules. I'm still young. I need to live my life. Give me my portion. So the father being who he was, uh, granted his request. And this illustrating how the father permits each one of us the choice to go his or her own way. So the father being of no respectable person, loving both his sons equally, he divided unto them both his estate. Now, I need you to look at this thing. I need you to get this. There's two sons, same opportunity. Only difference is uh, one uh, was in the midst of an identity crisis, two different identities, different ways of thinking, same information, same inheritance. Uh, given one, The oldest was given two-thirds. The younger was given one-third. Same upbringing, but two different reactions to what they have been given. When we look at the 13th verse, we see that not many days after receiving his inheritance, the younger son took his journey into a far country, no doubt from what he felt like was far away from the father. No one will see me. I'm sure he thought to himself, what I'm doing, what's going on. The Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. So that day, whether he realized it or not, he made his choice. He was ready, or so he thought. Only thing is, God was not in his plans, which is evident by the fact that he squandered all of his substance. Some of you today are choosing to take a journey. Now you found yourself in a far country, far away from God. I'm almost certain the younger son was breaking his father's heart. Are you breaking God's heart today? Could you imagine the father having lived a while, knowing the dangers of what lied out there beyond the protection of his home for his baby boy? He knew the temptations of the world, that the, what they had to offer. He also knew his son was not prepared. Yet he allowed him the freedom and the liberties to choose, to choose to leave home with his inheritance. So now we see that he's taking his good and his goods to the world. In part two, we'll see what happens next. Let's apply. When I think about the text, um, we just read and think about the current state of our society. The correlation is so real. 
I believe that all of us at one time or another have found ourselves in similar situation as the prodigal son, struggling to accept the identity of who God has created us to be and in the process making some bad choices along the way. When I began to think about this society in the state of America, indeed, many of us sometimes in our life, if not right now, have been equally guilty, such as the prodigal son of living a prodigal lifestyle. We live in a time where it seems that enough is never enough. The more we have, the more we want. Not only do many of us want it, but some of us have the audacity to demand it as if we are entitled to it. I don't know about you, but every now and then, God allows me a moment to think back over my life and see where the Lord has brought me from. And I can't help but to come to the realization that even in the midst of my identity crisis, God kept me. Just like the songwriter wrote, there was a time in my life that depression had me so far down that I didn't even know who I was, but in the midst of that, God kept me. I remember when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. In the midst of that, God kept me. When I went through three breast surgeries, God kept me. When my marriage broke down, it was God who kept me. When we think about how blessed we are today compared to where we used to be, we all should be content. But sadly, many of us are not. Just like the prodigal son, I submit to you that we have become a product of our society. This young man, though he was not completely secure in who he was, he was safe as long as he was under the father's covering. But he wasn't satisfied with living at home. He wanted to be one with the world, so he took his good and his goods to the world, and so it was that he became a product of loving the things of the world. The Bible tells us not to be conformed to this world. In other words, the system of the world, the hype of the word world, the Twitter followers, the Instagram hearts, the Facebook likes, the newest challenges, the latest crazes, the constant quest trying to reach fame and fortune get rich quick or die trying schemes, the hustle and the bustle and the greed of this world. John 2, 15 and 7 tells us, love not the world, neither the things of the world. If a man loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And it's not of the father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. Too quickly, we tend to forget this is not our home. This world is going to pass away. I say again and again, and I will continue to say it. We are too comfortable here. We continue to strive for the accolades of man, exchanging our soul for the pleasures of this world. One thing we have to be aware of is getting caught up in disposing ourselves, in other words, throwing away or exchanging what God has invested in us, opting out rather to live independent from God. The prodigal son found out all too well that independency is the enemy of God. The Bible says, what does it profit of us, a man, to gain the world and lose his soul? And what will a man, what will we give in exchange for our soul? We should always remember that it's appointed to man once to die, but after death is the judgment. When you're done doing things your way, living your way, being your own God, where will you spend eternity? 
Some of you are working hard trying to fit in. You forget again and again that God created you to stand out. The word of God tells us that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But instead of renewing our mind, I found that many of us hold on to false illusions of grandeur, prosperity, online popularity, and success, hoping one day to be the next Jay-Z and Beyonce or the next Michelle and Barack. Many of you have lost yourselves trying to keep up with the world. We treat God like the prodigal son was treating his father. Verse 12 tells us that he began to demand, give me. Just like the younger son, somebody here right now in your own manipulative way keeps demanding God saying, give me, give me my portion of goods that fall to me. I want the house now. I want the position now. I want the car now. I want the business now. I want to blow up now. I refuse to wait. We have to know, trust, and believe that God knows. He knows you. He created you. He is your maker. He's the creator of heaven and earth. I urge you that if you're struggling with your identity today, spiritually, sexually, or otherwise, if you feel confused and you're not sure who you are, you need to consult him, the one who formed you in your mother's womb. Ask him to help you to come to yourself. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you, God. I thank you for this word, God. I thank you for this two-part teaching on identity crisis. Like never before, God, we need to know more than ever who we are, God. Not only who we are, but who we are in you spiritually, that we might become the giants that you have called us to be in you, O oh God, that we might walk in victory, O oh God, that we might talk in victory, O oh God. God, that we might draw those to you, to your kingdom, God. There's no doubt in my mind that you are soon to come, Father. We need to know who we are, God, spiritually, Father. Lord, we just love you and we praise you. We thank you, oh God, that even though we wander off far away from you, God, to take a journey in a far land, oh God, that you have not left us, oh God. You said you would never leave us nor forsake us, God, that you're with us every step of the way, oh Father. God, and it is your hope that we will return back to you. So Father, today, touch the ears of your listeners, oh God. Touch the hearts of your people, oh God. Let them return back to you, oh God. Help them to seek you like never before, to call on your name, oh God, that you might show them great and mighty things that they know not. Lord, I just thank you. I praise you. I glorify you. I magnify you. It is in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I ask that you keep your eyes open for part two so that you do not miss this two-part series, the conclusion of Identity Crisis, The Prodigal Son. As always, thank you for listening to Yasha Young and Sharing His Anointing Podcast. I am Elder Shanina Walker. Until the next time, have a blessed day.